Starbucks is hoping to have 90% of their stores open by June. We'll share how their CEO says they will do it. Plus, broke millennial author Erin Lowry is here for her final show as a regular thought leader and so much more on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from Mayapack, New York. And I'm Erin Lowry, coming to you from Queens, New York. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like Erin Lowry. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. Big thanks to Ubiquity Retirement and Savings for supporting Money with Friends. If you think providing retirement benefits to your employees is expensive, think again. Ubiquity offers simple, online, affordable, small business retirement solutions starting at just $75 a month. Get ahead of the future with help from Ubiquity's team of experts. Visit myubiquity.com to learn more or tell your boss to visit. That is M-Y-U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com to learn more. Erin, I'm sad. This is our last show together, at least as a regular guest. Host. I know, but there's a secret callback for me in this one that you are probably unaware, but I worked for this popular mermaid logoed coffee chain as one of my first jobs when I moved to New York nearly nine years ago. So near and dear to my heart. I had no idea. Well, we're going to talk more about that. Let's see which one of our money friends is going to bring us into the headline. This is Tim from the Faith and Finances podcast. Just like hanging out and chatting about the news, that's why I tune to Money with Friends. Starbucks CEO, fairly optimistic about customers coming back after coronavirus lockdowns. I'm always real hesitant on reporters' last names. I feel like every time I get one that's like, is it Julia LaRoche? LaRoche? Julia, I apologize if I butchered last name. Coming from Yahoo Finance, Starbucks, which was among the first wave of big companies to implement strict social distancing measures in its establishments, plans to start reopening its U.S. stores next week. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Starbucks closed more than half of its U.S. company-operated stores, causing earnings and comparable sales to plunge during the fiscal second quarter. As it prepares to transition into post-lockdown future, the coffee giant is banking heavily on its investments in technology and people as a powerful combination to bring customers back to its stores. In a wide-ranging interview with Yahoo Finance, Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson explained the company's plan to have 90% of its stores open by June, how technology will play a critical role in keeping customers safe, and why it's important to take care of employees financially during a time of crisis. Quote, at the end of the day, what we want to provide is we want to provide safe, familiar, and convenient experiences for our customers, Johnson said recently. Presently, Starbucks transitioning from a period Johnson has characterized as quote, mitigate and contain to what he now calls monitor and adapt as states move to end restrictive stay-at-home orders and citizens transition into a new normal. Starbucks, according to Johnson, needs to, quote, monitor and understand what's happening with the virus. You know, until there's a vaccine and treatments, we have to be aware of that, end quote. And just as certain states have adopted their own specific criteria to relax the lockdown, Quote, we have to monitor by city, by community, and then adapt the store formats and the store protocols in an appropriate way, he added. 
Let's so just, on March, well, oops, let's just pause there and, and, and go over what they're saying. Because I think one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this is that Starbucks is, first of all, representative, representative of people's comfort levels in coming back um, because it is, you know, marketed as a third place. And also it represents kind of how a lot of companies are thinking about this, but not yet sure what they're going to do. I also feel like they're a little bit fortunate already that they already had an app that integrated into you could order online and then just already just go by and pick it up. So I think that I would assume they're kind of doubling down on that front and that they could even just maybe not totally contactless unless they add like a pickup window with a little, I don't know, shelf that they can put the drinks on, but they're probably going to have to move in a direction kind of like that. But I would also assume they'll have everybody wearing gloves in the store, probably masks. I can envision little green masks with mermaid logos on the front for a little while, stuff like that happening too. Yeah. Well, what do you, well, tell us a little bit about your experience because you teased that you worked at Starbucks, which I did not know. I did. So that was when I moved to New York in 2011, I moved here to work as a page for the Late Show with David Letterman, but that job alone was not going to pay my bills. So I also had to find other jobs. And I worked as a babysitter, and then I also worked as a Starbucks barista. And one thing that he kind of referenced earlier about how the company fiscally or financially helps its employees, one thing that I remember very well when I signed my starting paperwork is they had, I forget the exact name of the program, but basically you as a barista could put a dollar, 50 cents, whatever, out of every paycheck into this collective fund that if somebody else in the company had an emergency, like let's say that my parents fell sick and I couldn't afford a plane ticket, I could apply to this fund to ask for a grant to be able to pay to go do that. So it was like baristas helping baristas as well as they paid above minimum wage at the time. I feel, you know, Think what you will about it as a coffee giant. In my experience, they were very good to their employees. And I'm sure and I'm hopeful that they have done a solid job. I don't actually know. And I don't know anyone that still works there. But I hope that they've been helpful through this crisis as well. Well, they do talk about the fact that they have been paying people um, catastrophe catastrophe pay. Some of them are still open, apparently. Now, in New York, to my knowledge, I have not seen a Starbucks open. It's interesting. Dunkin' Donuts has been open through drive through near here, near where I am in upstate New York. I mean, what's been your... So ours, we've got two, one Starbucks and two Dunkins in a perimeter that I have walked since all of this happened. All of those are closed, but there is a Dunkin' open somewhere because I have seen people with the cups, but I think they shuttered a lot of their stores. I'm also just going to plug the Business Wars podcast, Dunkin' Donuts versus Starbucks season. Very interesting. Yes. I actually started reading that. I've been listening to that. I've only listened to one episode, so I'm not that far into it, but I will now be motivated to listen to more of it. Um, do you want to read a little bit more? I think we have some parts in bold that we want to uh, highlight in the article. Yes. So Starbucks had some foresight into the virus's impact on its business back in January when it temporarily closed more than half of its 4,200 stores in China, its second largest and fastest growing market. Today, 98% of the China store fleet is open, but many with modified operations. 
In the U.S., Johnson is, quote, fairly optimistic on the pace of customers returning based on the drive through sales in April. From now until June, quote, we're going to get a good idea of how quickly our customer occasions are going to return. And we're fairly optimistic about just on what we saw in drive throughs in the month of April, Johnson said, pointing out that the drive throughs quote, oftentimes had cars wrapped around the block. In, it's an indication that people really crave their Starbucks and after weeks of lockdown are eager to, quote, get out and do something, he added. You know, that is so relatable because, as I said, we have a drive through Dunkin' Donuts up here in upstate New York. And that was the highlight of our day yesterday is going to Dunkin' Donuts. And we were able to get um, coffee drinks. And we actually they have um, an ice cream place. What is it? Baskin Robbins also there. And they were selling quarts, pre-packed quarts of ice yep. cream. So we picked that up too. And that was really like our weekend event was going to Dunkin' Donuts. So I think there's something there. And then as you pointed out, we they also talk in the article about the app and how that is going to help them. Um, they say uh, the app is what Johnson called the safest way to order in a world where the virus is easily contracted. The CEO who took the reins, by the way, this, the one in charge just in April of 2017, um, he hails from a technology background. Um, he used to be with Juniper Networks and then with Microsoft. And Microsoft obviously has been an interesting company to watch in this time. And he says, and so in a time where customers are looking for safe, familiar, convenient experiences, we think it's a natural way for them to order, adding that Starbucks will amplify the importance of the app as a safe ordering experience. And he also talks about later in the piece, at a time when people are concerned about their health, the last thing that, and this is about employees, the last thing I wanted them to be concerned about was their economic certainty. Um, and so they've been investing in Starbucks employees um, during the pandemic. And I know there have been a lot of um, ways that they've been paying people still and um, on, honoring benefits, as they say. So I'm glad to hear that um, not every company can afford to do that. I think that's a great thing if you have the money that Starbucks has. And truthfully, it's not always the case. It's true. And I'm just very thankful that they're thinking employees first as much as they can. And, you know, in my experience there, it wasn't the company that was problematic. It was some of the people who treated baristas as less than that were problematic. So my other thing is please always be very polite to the person that is serving you your coffee. Very well said. We did ask our Instagram audience, which by the way, you can follow us on Instagram at moneyfriendspod. We said, are you ready for businesses to reopen? And keep in mind, we are recording this in early May and the Starbucks CEO is talking about June to be fair to them. Um, we asked them, so are, are you ready for business to reopen? Um, and so the questions were, the options were placing order now or not quite yet. What do you think our audience had to say, Miss Aaron? Oh, in terms of, are you ready for them to be open? Yes. I think How many people, said they're ready? I think people by and large are ready, but I don't know that they necessarily trust that it's a great idea, but I'm going to say majority are ready for them to be open. So the, wait, so the choice, I just want to be clear about your answer. The choices were placing order now or not quite yet. Mm, I'm going to go with not quite yet. Okay. So not quite yet. What percentage, if you were to throw it out there out of a hundred percent, what percentage said not quite yet? 65. Close. 72 in our very, hey. very unscientific survey. Um, we did then also ask people, um, what would make you feel ready? And you have some of those answers. Yeah, I just have to say my favorite one is I need to go to the gym and pick up heavy things and put them down. 
that's the best answer for sure. But some of the metrics of when people will feel more safe is when visitors are allowed in hospital rooms, which that's a really great point, a successful treatment along with testing available for everyone in all caps, and drastic drop in cases, effective treatment that is proven, and widespread antibody testing. Yeah. So I think we just, we need, you know, to feel safe. Yep. I also think it's going to be a long time before we truly feel safe. Even, even if all of those things happen, I think it's just going to be a little bit of collective PTSD from this whole experience. It's going to be a a long time. And I mean, I'm already thinking about the idea of getting on a packed subway car is a very scary proposition in the future. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, to some degree, um, not so much with the outer boroughs, we were somewhat of a walkable city in New York City. But the truth is, we'll, we don't know how that's going to work. They are now taking the trains out of service to clean them every night. What I yep. also think I want to ask you about, Aaron, is do you think that people will spend the same way at places like Starbucks, even if they feel that it's safe, because we've gotten used to not having our expensive lattes, etc.? Oh, I think we'll go back pretty fast. I think as soon as people have the option it'll return, I don't know, maybe three months. I think there might be a moment where it's like, oh, I saved so much money, but then I think we'll return fairly quickly. I mean, after almost every major financial disaster, there has been a fairly rapid return to pre-disaster consumerism, I would say. It'll be interesting, though, because I have to say I realize how much money I used to spend on Starbucks or other places out of the home where I would get little snacks here and there. And I never thought that it added up to that much. I mean, I did add I yes and no. You know, you kind of know. But now it really seems like I more than I thought, if that makes sense. I don't know. I don't I... know. I hear that. I also think the other one that would be interesting is ride chairs for people who live in cities like New York, where all of a sudden, if you were used to paying for lifts and Ubers and stuff everywhere, and now you've been home this -hmm. whole time, how much that costs. There's just so many different things that add up. I do think, though, that in my mind, what the, as he sort of, as Johnson sort of said in the piece, like what this represents for people is a level of normalcy. Like being able to go get that cup of coffee to you represents a return to your normal life. And I think that's going to override this financial, hey, I had 300 more dollars this month than I did last month because I didn't get my lattes every day or whatever it was. I think that's a really good point. I think there is a feeling of normalcy that we are all craving. And it's interesting in our audience here, uh, we are recording this live on Facebook Live. We have Sarah with a comment if you want to grab that, which really gets to the heart of this. Yes, I am ready to visit friends and family in person while distancing, aka no hugs, sit outside, etc. Yeah, I feel you. And I I also think people are getting quarantine fatigue. We have Danny here with us. He says, I think people will be disappointed with waiting until visitors are allowed in hospitals. But the truth is, a lot of people don't feel safe right now. And it depends where you live. I mean, the fact is, this has not hit all areas of this country and of the world in the same way. So because of that, we all have different feelings. I mean, Aaron and I, to be fair, are both coming to you from New York, where things are, you know, very different from other parts of the country. Um, but it's we've also been saving not just us but we collectively the collective we have been spending less money because there's less to buy and and I think we feel a lot less need and that may not come back so fast I don't know I don't know how much we want to spend in restaurants in the same way if we don't have the restaurant experience that we're used to 
Yeah. Annette said, I consider myself very frugal and I saved an extra $700 last month, which is amazing. I agree. Although on the flip side, I wonder how many people are going to feel this compulsion to help support local economies and small business when they're able to again. And that might be one of the ways people not only feel this level of normalcy, but feel like, hey, this is a way that I can contribute and I can help, assuming and I always come back to this, that you have your own financial oxygen mask on first and that you are safe and secure financially before you go out and spend your money. And I love that you made that point because on Tuesday's show, we were talking about how this economic pullback, which is likely a recession, although we haven't officially you know, proved it yet, but most likely, how is it different from previous ones? How might that affect the stock market? Well, it's different in that we've been given, we as a society have been given a lot of economic help from the government. And so many people may be unemployed, but at least right now, many of those people, if they're getting their checks and there's all kinds of administrative problems going on with that. But as a concept, if we all are getting those checks and the economic stimulus checks, which were 1,200 and 2,400 in some cases, we do have some money to spend in theory. So I think that makes this pullback, economic pullback, very different and could make a resurgence very different in that we do feel that we should support these businesses that also went down collectively through no fault of their own, which is also not that they were to blame yeah. previous pullbacks, but there were, you know, signs of, of economic cycles, the normal economic um, ups and downs of our economy. This was completely out of the blue. It was. And I think too, that you see that some were able to pivot and some just couldn't for a variety of reasons. I see that in just the one avenue that I live on in my neighborhood, which which restaurants, for instance, have been able to stay open and not necessarily flourish isn't the word I would use, but you know, still bring in an okay amount of money to keep bills paid and to be able to keep going and others that have had to just shutter completely. And a lot of it had to do any of the ones that were higher end. No, they're just, they had to close. They tried for a little bit, but it just, for the price point and for the most part, you're really paying for an experience. And some of that food doesn't necessarily travel to your front door well in terms of delivery. So that's what happened. Yeah, it is complicated. I mean, every recession or economic pullback has different variables, which again is why it's so unpredictable. But I do think Starbucks is an interesting barometer to be watching because it does hit so many um, commonalities in businesses. And we'll be looking at them and seeing what they do and how it goes. Um, and other companies will probably be following their lead in, in whatever works and, and learning from whatever maybe doesn't work. Um, in just a few minutes, we're going to bring you our takeaways. So Aaron, I'm going to give you a moment to think about what you want to say. But in the meantime, I do want to thank Ubiquity Retirement and Savings for supporting Money with Friends. Um, when we talk about retirement planning, you know, as a small business owner, you want to maximize your tax benefits and you want to have employees confident in their financial future. So by choosing the right retirement plan, if you've shopped, it might seem complicated. Ubiquity makes it easy to save for the future while gaining tax advantages along the way. In just a few clicks, you'll see 401k plans designed by experts online, or you can talk strategy and tailor a plan that meets your specific needs and the needs of your employees. Ubiquity's affordable flat fee plans start at just $75 a month. Whether you're a solopreneur or have a team of 100 employees, everyone gets the same exceptional service at Ubiquity. Kickstart your future at myubiquity.com. That is M-Y-U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com to learn more. Erin. Well, I will say 
I am optimistic for when we can reopen. One of the things to, for me, that's a big takeaway is that investing in tech, regardless of your business, is important. And being able to, whether it's have an app or one thing that I've really noticed in my neighborhood is, and this is no shade to the seamless Grubhub caviars of the world, but they do take a sizable cut of profits. So for small businesses who are already operating on razor thin margins for the most part right now, that's huge. And being able to order directly from them as opposed to going through a third party is important, but they have to have set up the tech to be able to make that possible on the back end. Because to be honest, a lot of people just aren't calling and placing their orders anymore. So I do think that that's an interesting angle on all of this is how important it is, even if you're a mom and pop shop, to have a website and have set it up so people can go directly through you as opposed to a third party. That is an excellent point. And and like we've talked about, Starbucks has really been a leader in technology and marketing to get people onto the app, providing incentives. I have the app. You probably have the app, am I guessing? I do have the app. Yep. And I get, you know, I feel like I do get tailored reminders of things that they want me to buy and they do a good job. They sell to you um, and good for them for that. My takeaway is that I'm rooting for them. I admit Saving on the lattes has been good for a lot of our budgets. Um, but look, they employ a ton of people. They used to employ Aaron. Come on. Based on, what the, based on what the CEO says, um, they've really stood by their employees. So if you feel safe and they open near you, if you want, go help support them and other businesses um, and our economic recovery with your favorite Starbucks, Starbucks splurge and other coffee shops. We don't want it to be only Starbucks. Support all businesses um, with your if, if you can afford it. As Aaron says, oxygen mask first, of course. Watch your own finances. But if you've got a buildup from your coffee budget, go for it when they open. Yeah, and it could be just a one-day-a-week treat or a once-a-month treat, whatever works for your budget. Yes. That's been, that's been one of my favorite things I will say that's getting me through this is my husband and I on Fridays. It's our takeout day, and we pick on like Monday, Tuesday what our Friday takeout's going to be so we get to look forward to it all week long because there are so few things we can look forward to right now. And that's just like one little win of the week. And it's also good that Starbucks is out speaking about this publicly because maybe they are giving other companies ideas. And if they lead the way, other companies might be more comfortable opening and get a better reception from their patrons because it is a delicate balance because sometimes it can backfire if you open at a time or in a way that people don't respond to in a positive way. By setting an example, um, hopefully everything will go well, and hopefully they'll be very um, careful to make sure their employees are protected and their customers are protected. They can help get us on a better economic, on an economic recovery, I guess is what I want to say. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friend, this is the end of your run, your final mm-hmm. show with us here. I am, first of all, your your book is completed, so congratulations on that. Well, I should say, final manuscript turned in. Tell yes. us a little bit about what we can look forward to, because I, I think this is going to be a very big topic this winter, next winter. Yep, this is my... I'm going to say my favorite of the three. I know you're not supposed to pick favorites of your book babies, but you this can. is my favorite one. You can pick favorites. So it's Broke Millennial Talks Money, Stories, Scripts, and Advice for Navigating Awkward Financial Conversations. And anytime I say it's relationships and money, people always default to romance. And I always have to say, no, no, it's actually in four parts, talking money at work, talking money with friends, talking money with family, and talking money with your romantic partner. And it just provides a ton of ideas and context and help for how to navigate all of these potentially 
awkward financial conversations that we have to have in our lives. Because even if your own finances are just on such great terms, doesn't mean it's always easy to ask, hey, mom and dad, are you ready for your retirement? Or say to your friend, I really can't afford to go to your bachelorette party or ask your partner, do you have debt? So it's all about how to navigate those talks. Yeah. And I think those things come up throughout life, different things that you don't really think about until you're in that awkward conversation and you just don't know the words. So I'm looking forward to that. I know that you're very good at providing things like literally like scripts and specific ideas. So I think it's going to be a big hit. In the meantime, where can people follow you and stay in touch? Well, I'm all over. You can find me on my website, brokemillennial.com, on Twitter at brokemillennial, and on Instagram at brokemillennialblog. And on Wednesdays, I do an Ask Me Anything on Instagram. So if you have a burning question or you just want to say hi, come on over there. Well, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to be revealing a new cast in just a few weeks. What's your advice for the next group? Hmm. Hmm. Not to put you on the spot or anything. I would say... Make sure you've got some solid takeaways and read the article ahead of time. Because there was a time or two that maybe I was in real time having to process the information. (laughs) I would never know. You always have wonderful things to say. Well, thank you. It's just fun. And I think that's the big thing. Interact, definitely. I love all the comments that people leave. So be sure that you're reading those, interacting with those. That can take a minute to learn how to switch in between like talking and reading, but have a lot of fun with it. And yes, and by the way, Danny is wishing you well. He's looking forward to the new book. I love our Facebook Live audience and I love our Instagram friends as well. Everyone should follow us there at Money Friends Pod. You can learn more about Aaron and the show on at our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. And you can tell we absolutely tape this live and we leave in all of the blunders and mess ups because you know what? That's what Money with Friends is all about. We're about being with our friends, being casual, being informal, and um, just being ourselves. And thank you for coming along for the ride with us, Erin. It was a great time. Thanks for having me. All right. We will see you again soon during one of our alumni weeks. And so on behalf of Erin, I'm Bobby. Have a great day, everyone. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.